Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. Monday, July 25th, and thanks for hanging out with us here on Real Talk, whether you're getting us on the uh, on the podcast, on YouTube, whether you're streaming live on the Mixler audio streaming app. We're excited to have you here. Jesperson here with Hicks. I was going to say the birthday boy, but you seem a little bit touchy today. You seem a little bit twitchy uh, when I mention your birthday. Ladies and gentlemen, you would think a normal question, a normal query for a colleague, for a caring colleague would be, hey, John, how was your birthday weekend? And I was met with the question, what am I, seven? My birthday was on Thursday. <laughs> no, uh, you ever seen that Seinfeld episode where, where they talk about the people who have the, the really long love making, like an hour and a half. And, <laughs> and Jerry's talking to Kramer and Kramer's like, sometimes, you know, it's enough already. And I just want to get some sleep with the birthday. It's enough already. I had the day it was on Thursday and then, uh, you know. Okay. I actually worked this weekend. No, got actually, back into it. You actually worked. You say that like that's it. something unusual. It seems to me it's like not. you work every weekend. I do. And not for us. So we were talking about making people's dreams come true. Yeah. As a wedding and event DJ in high demand. And right now we're in peak season, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. How is how is the is the wedding game back at it? Like are people doing the oh, big it's... are people doing like the 150 200 person weddings? Are they mostly people outside? Are back. Are people, yeah, people are yeah, back just full... licking each other's faces and oh, no, I'm just kidding. But John, you're going <laughs> to no, freak mean, people out. To to their uh defense. I mean, people have been waiting. Some of these people I'm doing this year, you know, two for like two and a half years, years. they've yeah. been planning this, so yeah. Yeah, no kidding. People are people are excited to get back. It seems like, uh, and it's not without its uh, challenges for sure. And when we see that, we see evidence of it all over the place. But uh, yeah, it's good to see that there's some confidence coming back too. And it when it comes to the uh, the the venues and the people that work in events, and of course all those lovers out there <laughs> what? that are looking to tie the knot. You're tuned into Lover Radio. I just remember that on uh, on uh, uh, Back to the Future. You know when yeah. uh, when he he steps up to the mic. And he's like, this is for all you lovers out there. And, uh, you know, it was a line that stuck with me. What can I say? Mm -hmm. So great show in store. We're going to get heavy in just a second uh, because uh, we're talking about, I mean, most times when people think about the World Junior Hockey Championships, the WJCs, they call them, there's there's nothing but pure excitement, especially it seems for Canadian hockey fans. Sure, there are teams from all around the world. The Russians have done well. The Finns have done all right. The Americans have been have been coming on strong over the last 10, 15 years or so as their programs really ramped up. The Swedes have done okay, but it's really, it seems to be a Canadian tradition. And typically, it's been over the uh, Boxing Day into the first week of January kind of holiday stretch. And so families have, have made it this tradition where they, they gather around the tube and sometimes it's at five in the morning if the tournament is, is somewhere overseas. And, and sometimes it's right in prime time if the tournament is in like Halifax or London, Ontario or Edmonton like it's going to be in a couple of weeks. Why in a couple of weeks? Why in the middle of the summer, you ask? Well, it's because the, the previous one was postponed due to COVID-19, and so they're trying to make up that tournament. If you haven't heard, and chances are you have, Hockey Canada has been rocked over the last couple of weeks by allegations that at least 
two of its national teams. These are players under 20 years of age. So these are typically the Team Canada that represents our country at the WJCs. These, these are the next stars of the National Hockey League. These are typically young men on, on, on the precipice or the entry point of their National Hockey League journey. Not all of them make it, but many of them do. And uh, it, it's, it's been a source of national pride, which is why I think millions of people are disgusted, uh, rocked, aghast, shocked, maybe or maybe not, by allegations that players from the 2003 team and the 2018 team uh, allegedly on two different occasions, obviously we're talking about two different teams, sexually assaulted women and under circumstances obviously horrific enough that they've been kept quiet uh, by people for the last number of years. In one circumstance, 19 years. What makes this even worse is revelations uh, reporting by the Canadian press last week that Hockey Canada has maintained a contingency fund uh, that's allowed it to to, to settle so-called uninsured liabilities uh, that would include allegations or of sexual assault in other words hush money and where does this money come from well hockey canada's money comes some of it from tournaments like the world junior and a lot of it from registration fees from minor hockey so chances are and i don't think i'm being outrageous in suggesting this if your kid played minor hockey or plays minor hockey a portion of your fees may have gone to the more than $3 million that have allegedly been paid out to a complainant uh, that's now involved in this 2018, uh, what do I call it, uh, circumstance? What's the appropriate word for it? I know our first guest today will find the right word for it. Ken Campbell's going to join us. I've been reading Ken's work uh, for, I don't know, my adult life. He's easily one of Canada's most well-known hockey writers, and he's launched just recently a Substack. This is where a lot of writers are going now, a Substack called Hockey Unfiltered, where you can subscribe to his writing there. Ken's going to give us his thoughts on this, and I'm going to ask Charles Adler about it later in the show as well. Of course, the Pope is also in our home city right now. It's a little bit, as I wrote in our uh, Real Talk Sunday message, if you subscribe to it, it's free, obviously. You can find it at ryanjesperson.com. Just scroll to the bottom of the page. Every Sunday, late night, we send you out an update. Here's what's coming up this next week. I picture many of you opening it up on Monday morning as you get your week started. Here are the guests or some of the guests that are coming up this week, and here are some of the the must-sees or the must-listens from the week that was and of course uh, referenced the fact that it, it, it's a little unusual right now in our home city with with big parts of the downtown either closed down or, or being patrolled heavily by city police rcmp and other security details there's been some reporting from a good friend of this show brandy Morin, the journalist that joined us mid last week that a lot of the homeless population or the so-called transient population that typically occupies in Edmonton's downtown core, the area where one of the Catholic churches are, where the Pope's visiting, uh, has been essentially cleaned out. Hmm. You know, that the homeless folks have been shuffled away uh, out of the eye of the Pope. And, and Brandy's taken issue with that. You can uh, pay attention to her excellent reporting. She's on Twitter at Songstress28, and she's reporting, I believe, for Al Jazeera English. You know, Brandy's always doing a ton of reporting for different outlets. I mm -hmm. uh, wouldn't be surprised to see her reporting popping up elsewhere as well. But uh, if you're looking for some context, some lead up to this visit we saw some of the imagery of the pope landing in edmonton being greeted 
greeted by indigenous leaders, uh, including Grand Chief, uh, you know, the Grand Chief of the Confederacy of Treaty 6, George Arcon Jr., joined us last week in an interview you've really got to see. He talked about, he said, listen, if the Pope wants to come here, and I appreciated his perspective on this, he says, if the Pope wants to come here and walk with us, he says, this is a good first step. And he talked about what the next steps would look like in in a partnership type relationship, endeavoring to get to that point of reconciliation. And uh, that was just part of our coverage last week. If you missed it, you can check out anywhere you get your podcast. And of course, through the Real Talk YouTube archive, our conversations with, as mentioned, uh, the Grand Chief, uh, with Chief Tony Alexis, uh, with journalist Brandy Morin, and then a Friday show uh, that we were really, really happy with. It, it put some issues on our radar, some perspectives that I think are important to be heard. Dr. Matthew Wildcat joined us from Ermanskin Cree Nation. Uh, he's grown up in an area where the Pope is going to be rolling through today. And then uh, Dr. Crystal Gale Fraser and uh, Dr. Sean Flynn from St. Joseph's College also joined us with a, with a back and forth of indigenous and Catholic perspectives. That was on Friday's show. If you didn't catch it, I recommend it. A lot of people are talking about the Pope's visit, obviously, this week. It's a big deal when the Pope visits any nation. Everybody's suggesting this will probably be one of his last international journeys. You can see it's obvious he's older. They're pushing him around in a wheelchair. But the significance of this to survivors is big. Not everybody's thrilled about it, obviously, and we talked about that too on Friday. We encourage you to check it out. Ken Campbell, in just a moment, I want to remind you about our friends at Apex Automation. They're putting a call out right now to engineers across the country. If you're feeling dissatisfied in your current role, you feel like you're not maybe reaching your full career potential, heck, maybe it's not just your workplace. Maybe you don't feel like your clients appreciate what you're doing. Apex Automation is providing intuitive fully autonomous solutions to industry and they're giving people back their time so whether you're a client of apex or whether you're part of their team you value people you value the team that can achieve great things together the bonus flexible hours professional development opportunities and a fantastic corporate culture i wouldn't say that if i hadn't hosted their christmas party and seen it firsthand you can learn more about working for apex today at apexautomation.ca also a big shout out to our friends at st albert and sherwood dodge you know over the weekend it's a busy time for them because more and more people are looking to find that perfect fit When it comes to their ride, their family's ride, for some of you, we know you got to get bigger. Maybe there's been a new arrival in the family. Maybe you just got a trailer and you can't wait to take the kids out camping. For others, it's the fact that gas is $2 a liter and you don't need the V8 Hemi anymore. Maybe you're looking to downsize to something more fuel efficient. Maybe you've heard about that new electric Jeep Wrangler, the 4xe. You'll find the best selection in Western Canada at St. Albert and Sherwood Dodge. They're really proud of their service department, too. They've built their business on relationships. No surprise to see so much return business there. And our friends at Park Power want to remind you, if you get a cold call about an electricity rebate program, if something stinks about it, There's probably a scam artist that's trying to dig into your pocket. You can check out their blog at parkpower.ca. Just scroll down on the main page and you'll see what they're talking about with regards to these phishing scams related to the government of Alberta's electricity rebate program. While you're on their website, you can compare rates on internet, electricity, and natural gas as well. The promo code 
2022-RealTalk knocks $70 off your first bill from Park Power at parkpower.ca. Our leadoff guest this week is, quite frankly, one of my favorite hockey writers. He's, he's always said what he thought, sometimes raising the ire of hockey fans. He hasn't really cared about it. He's focused on an issue and got to the heart of it, and I think that's why so many people are subscribing to his new project. It's a Substack, Hockey Unfiltered, with Ken Campbell. Ken, kind enough to join us on this Monday morning. This relatively new project of yours, Hockey Unfiltered, this Substack uh, project is where I've been reading up on uh, your takes on these obviously hugely troubling stories uh, involving players, teams from Hockey Canada in particular from 2003 and 2018. How do you put this into words, the magnitude of these allegations and the impact they're having on essentially the biggest organizing governing body in Canada when it comes to our nation's favorite sport? Well, I think, I think it's, it's definitely a time of reckoning. Um, you know, I mean, this is, the, I don't think we've ever seen anything like this uh, from, you know, from a, from a, a body this big. Um, and I think it's bringing to light a lot of the governance policies, a lot of the way they've done business in the past. And, um, and and I mean more than anything, I think it is um, it's it's a real examination of the culture of the game, the culture of toxic masculinity, the to- the culture of silence, especially um, that exists in the game. And I think I think you know I'm I'm hoping, and I think a lot of other people are hoping that you know this is this is going to be a time of reckoning that this this might be a a pivot point here where. Um, things begin to change. Hmm. You know, there there was a statement, obviously you've seen it, I think it was released Friday or maybe over the weekend from Hockey Canada that, that indicated the organization's commitment to, quote, bringing an end to the culture of silence in hockey. And uh, you, you might say, yeah, no shit, you don't really have a choice right now and all eyes yeah. are on the organization yeah. with the World Juniors looming in just two weeks in Edmonton. But it is unusual, isn't it? <clears throat> Which kind of reiterates the whole point it's unusual to see an organization like Hockey Canada even acknowledge that that's been an issue. Well, yeah, and, and they've acknowledged it, but but let's see where the rubber hits the road here. Uh, and we will find out an awful lot tomorrow when, uh, well, actually on Wednesday, it's tomorrow and Wednesday, but Hockey Canada is going to be appearing Wednesday before the Standing Committee for Her- um, Canadian Heritage. Um, and they'll be asked some very pointed questions. And uh, we'll, we'll see how much they want to get rid of the culture of silence um, by how they answer those questions. Because so far, uh, it's really been all talk. Um, you know, there has still been a culture of silence. I mean, right back to the fact that there was a non-disclosure agreement in this alleged sexual assault in 2018. And that that I can I can assure you that that non-disclosure agreement was not to protect the interests of the alleged victim it was to protect the the uh, interests of hockey canada and the alleged perpetrators so um you know i mean right now it's talk and they've been reacting to a lot of things um you know they're no, no longer going to use the national equity fund well that came because everybody got you know was shocked by the fact that there seemed to be this slush fund that part of which goes off goes to pay off um, victims of sexual abuse. Um, so, so far they've been very reactive and I, I'm waiting to see, you know, where they are actually going to do their part to end this culture of silence. 
I'm curious to know, we, we, we have heard from police in London and in Halifax that they are opening investigations uh, into these allegations of sexual assault. And, of course, a lot of people, I mean, just paying attention to chatter online, people are saying, name these players. We want to see these players named. And you don't necessarily blame people because they're probably wondering if they're wearing jerseys around that are bearing the name bar of a player that's participated in what is essentially rape. And we're seeing some players come forward. Carlo Koliakovo is is one example. I saw Scotty Upshaw, another example. These are well-known players for anybody that follows hockey. They were on the 2003 team. They're saying, I didn't know about it. It wasn't me. I welcome an investigation. The more players that come forward to clear their own names, people are knocking those names off the list. Everybody's trying to figure out who these players are. What do you think is the right approach to this? Well, I mean, I, I, I did much of the same thing. I reached out right at the beginning to the agents of every player that was on that 2018 team. And I asked three questions. Number one, had they been, um, had they cooperated with the investigation? Number two, if so, what, you know, what was discussed? And number three, if uh, my third question was whether or not they wanted to put anything on the record. I reached out to 22 players and I think five, five agents got back to me. Um, and, uh, and, and then, uh, I think some other outlets, uh, you know, did some other work and then, and then sort of it's, it's kind of, it's kind of snowballed from there because a lot of the players have come out on their own and, and put out statements. So, um, you know, I mean, I'm not sure there's any real, you know, best way to do it other than to be upfront about it in the first place. Um, and, you know, I mean, the one thing about this 2018 one uh, that I that I will say is that is that the statement of claim says that um, the 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 John Doe's number one through eight were players for the CHL and Hockey Canada and were included, including but not limited to members of that team. So it's not it's not inconceivable that some of the alleged perpetrators might not have been on that team and may have just been uh, CHL players who were there to hang out with their buddies for that couple of days. So, um, I mean, you know, you can try and do the math and you can come up with, you know, eight players, but it might still not be those eight players, which, which sort of would explain why, you know, a lot of people are now saying, Hey, there's more people coming out and saying they didn't do it than there are, you know, alleged perpetrators. So I I think that would probably explain it. You, uh, as mentioned, if you're just tuning in on the Mixler live streaming app, we're talking to Ken Campbell. You can read his work on Hockey Unfiltered at kencampbell.substack.com. One of your headlines reads, how can Hockey Canada host the next two World Juniors? As mentioned, they're dropping the puck in two weeks on the World Junior Tournament right here, like 15 blocks from where we're talking to you, Ken. Uh, what do you think is an appropriate move in this circumstance? I mean, we already see major sponsors pulling out. The federal governments, we're going to talk to the federal minister of sport on Wednesday, uh, Minister St. Ange. I mean, the federal government's trying to distance itself here, or at least demand some form of accountability. You think they should cancel the tournament? You think Canada should give its opposing teams buys in those games? I mean, what do you think is realistic? Well, I, th- I think that, you know, I mean, at this point in the, in the in the proceedings, I'm not sure there's a lot you can do with it being so close. Um, but, we're you know, I mean, Canada is going to do this again in, what, five months um, at the end of December in, in Halifax and Moncton. Um, and, you know, a- as you know, Ryan, there, there are, I mean, this time around it will be different because most of the sponsors have pulled out. So I'm not sure that there will be the big money that there usually is associated with the World Juniors. Um but, you know, I mean, Hockey Canada gets 50% of those revenues. 
and the CHL, the Canadian Hockey League, gets 35% of those revenues. So you've got 85% of the revenues of, of this tournament going to two, you know, hockey entities that are, you know, really uh, under scrutiny right now and and don't have a lot of confidence, you know, people don't have a lot of confidence in them. So I would say at the very least, they should they should freeze those funds in some kind of escrow account or, or something and release them once you know, we have a better idea of what happened here, but um, you know, I mean, I, I mean, I, I would think that 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 they've, the IHF has got to be considering some sort of sanctions against Canada for for hosting tournaments or for maybe even participating in them. Yeah, I mean, and, and I don't think that it's lost on anybody that Halifax will play host here. I mean, on the just the yeah. twenty year anniversary of the allegations, anniversary is a weird word right. to use, but you get the idea. Yeah. I don't think that's lost on anybody. You know, I, I posted about this this weekend. I let people know you were going to be joining us on the show, and it it started conversation. I think a lot of people feel sick about it. I think a lot of people feel twisted up because they love hockey. They're big fans. Yeah. They love the World Juniors. Yeah. The flag means everything to them. Their kids play hockey. And the conversations, a lot of people are, you know, sort of, uh, you know, going, no, not all hockey players. Hey, they're going, this is a problem, a pervasive problem through the sport. And then other people fire back and say, well, I played hockey for 20 years and I never did anything like this. And other people are going, you telling me you didn't know somebody that I, I mean, it really, it, 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 it's this like hot button. And I understand the perspectives of both people. I understand the perspective of someone who loves the sport of hockey and, and would never do anything like this. And I also understand the perspective of someone that says in my small town or in my big city, I've heard like five stories like this, or I experienced this myself. What do you say to Canadians that are wrestling with this right now? This is something that's going to impact literally millions of people. Yeah. Millions of people. And, and I, I guess I would say, um, you know, let the process play itself out here. Um, You know, but, but it, but it's very, very clear to me and this I would tell to anyone is that there is a there is a culture problem in this game, um, and and I'm not you know I mean people have argued that it's uh, you know that it it goes to other sports and and other avenues of life and that may very well be true, um, but right now you know at this moment we're dealing with you know the national sport a sport that you know roughly six hundred thousand young people um, are registered to play in. Um, you know, a sport that is very much tied up in our national identity. And I would say that, you know, I mean, that, that there is a problem here. And, and, and I, I think, you know, I'm going to try and look at it from a more hopeful standpoint and say, you know, hopefully this is a turning point. And this is a, uh, this is a moment of reckoning where, you know, maybe now people see this and when they see something or hear something, they don't just let it pass. They, they, they speak up. You know, they make their voices heard. They um, call out people who are indulging in this kind of behavior. And, you know, maybe um, maybe in some ways it, 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 it won't be such a big part of the game and it won't be such a big part of, um, of uh, you know, the dialogue uh, if, if, if people can do that. Yeah. Do you think Hockey Canada CEO Tom Rennie loses his job over this? Well, Tom Rennie has already retired. So, oh, I didn't um, know that. When did he retire? He retired July 1st. Oh, so Scott Smith. Yeah, so Scott Smith is 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 now the CEO of Hockey Canada, and um, I I I find it very difficult to see a a, a path where um, he keeps his job. Um, I think that there's got to be a real cleansing here at uh, the upper end of Hockey Canada, and that includes the board of directors. They they have a nine member board of directors. 
that um, I'm, I'm going to assume had signed off on this and, and knew about this. Um, so I think part of renewing everything and, and renewing people's confidence would be, you know, part of that would be having some new leadership. Oh, man, I didn't even know about that change at the top. I can't even imagine. This is like the first three weeks on the job and you've got to manage this. That's unbelievable. Uh, Ken, in closing, sure appreciate your time. Uh, I, I've, I've read your writing over the years and you've, you've written about everything from minor hockey all the way up, all the way yeah. up to the legends. And I know right now that there's parents and there's coaches that are going to wonder what can they do like we, we can all play a role. We all must play a role in this. It is our responsibility. So just a couple thoughts on, on what that means for coaches in minor hockey, for parents of minor hockey players. Some of the stuff might be obvious. Some of it might not. Well, I, th I think again, it, it goes back to like, to me and I've written this and I've, and I've said it and, and I've, I've reiterated it many, many times. Um, a lot of this goes back to the culture of silence that exists in the game and and that has to end and so if i'm a parent a coach a, a player an administrator uh you know someone who's got a vested interest in in hockey then i that's i want to end that you know i mean i i would say that would be the best way because these stories and these incidents and these these things they they fester and they 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 thrive in the dark you know and we're seeing now that once you bring them out into the light um, they, they, it can be very, a very, very powerful thing. So I would say, you know, right down to anything that you see, um, and it doesn't even have to be sexual assault. It can be verbal abuse. It can be any other sort of thing. If you see something, say something and, and do something about it. Sure. Appreciate you making time for us, Ken. Uh, we'll continue to read your great work at kencampbell.substack.com. It's hockey unfiltered with Ken Campbell. Have a great week. You too, Ryan. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. You can also follow Ken, of course, on Twitter at Ken underscore Campbell 27. We link to the Twitter handles of all of our guests as best we can every morning from our official account at Real Talk RJ. Also wanted you to know, by the way, you can follow Real Talk now on Instagram and TikTok with those same handles at Real Talk RJ. Man, this is one that I know millions of people are wrestling with. I see the comments in our live chat on YouTube. I don't blame people mm -hmm. for, for how they're feeling about this. And I you agree know, with a few of them. Like, it seems like... Everyone loves hockey, but there's just one thing after another these days. Yeah, just... that, that comment. Let me find it from Jillian, who said something like, she said uh, yeah, something about it. Just She says, I've kind of hated hockey for years now. You try to get excited by it, but then there's always a new disappointment. I feel the same and way. And she says, the worst part is folks claiming to be shocked. I Like, honest, real talk, I love hockey. I mm -hmm. love it. Mm -hmm. I'm in the fantasy pools. I go to the games. Of course, I, you and I both worked for a National Hockey League team together mm -hmm. for seven years with the Edmonton Oilers. I play hockey every week. Much, many mm -hmm. of my friends are from the hockey community. My son plays hockey. Like I'm one of these people that's rocked by this, that feels disgusted by this. I am not one of the people that will say that I'm surprised I mean, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to say you don't go like there's a horrific. And by the way, I understand that these conversations, I probably should have said this at the beginning. These are very difficult conversations for people. Mm -hmm. uh, we want you to know that there are resources available, that, we, you know, locally, the Sexual Assault Center of Edmonton. Of course, there are sexual assault resources available across the country. If you just Google it, 24 hours a day, um, survivors of sexual violence. This is a very difficult conversation for them. I don't want to be crass 
and and uh, and sort of uh, what's the word to lack the empathy to say, oh, you hear about a horrific. So I won't get into the details. You can find them. The allegations are horrific. Mm-hmm. And you say, oh, I'm not surprised. That's kind of a that's kind of a, 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 a seems like a bit of a, an asshole way to to brush it off. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anybody that says that, you know, they're, they're, oh, I, I didn't hear any story ever. I've never heard any story of of hockey players ever mistreating a woman. I've never heard any stories ever of players in junior, you know, taking advantage of somebody or, or maybe abusing their status in the high school or in college or what have you. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm sure that some of my friends that have played pro or semi-pro or major junior are going to sit there and go, really, man? Really? Will you be putting that? Sh-? Well, hey, I'm not saying that as an individual person did it, but how do we not collectively look at this and take some ownership of it? Mm-hmm. How do we not collectively look at this and, and suggest that there's a real problem? Do we think that young men get to a point where they're 18 or 19 years of age and they make the world junior team and then all of a sudden this behavior seems permissible? Mm. I don't think so. Right. Is there there's almost like in the negatives. I mean, we, we hear of grooming when it comes to sexual assault of, 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 of what a perpetrator does to their victim. But grooming can also happen in a way that we we create celebrity. Right. Grooming is, is where you create this sense of like you're bigger than the law or the rules don't yeah. apply to you. Mm-hmm. This entitlement. And I know that people feel sick to think that minor hockey fees have gone to hush money, mm-hmm. like in, to the tune of millions of dollars. And how do you feel if, if, if your little guy or your little girl's playing hockey, lacing up their skates at five years old and some of those fees are going to hush money? Mm-hmm. How do people not puke over this? I saw another comment I really appreciated from Corey, who says Hockey Canada needs to be held accountable for this. If that means we go without Canadian junior hockey for a while, so be it. We need to seriously look at this stuff. Mark's watching. These are men making these comments. Mark says maybe it's not a hockey issue. Maybe it's a male issue. And Mark's probably onto something there. Like, do football players, do baseball players, do wrestlers get a pass? No rock stars, film stars. CEOs, the Me Too movement. I don't know. I mean, we could probably talk about this. Maybe we should talk about this for hours and hours and days and weeks and months. Jill follows up and says, parents, teach your son's consent. This is great. Jill's a teacher, by the way. We know she's been on the show before. She says, monitor how you talk about women and girls in front of your boys. And while we're at it, how do the boys on ice treat female players? It starts very young. I appreciate your comments. Michelle says, when on-ice performance is the only thing we end up raising entitled little monsters with God complexes. Not one woman, says Michelle, not one woman who grew up in a so-called hockey town is shocked by any of this. Karen says, locker room comments about women when nobody steps in to shut it down. That's one place where it starts. (laughs) I'm not going to try to, you know, strain my back by stretching here, but... You know, what's the most prominent example ever of somebody dismissing a concern based on the culture of sport, right? Donald Trump on the bus with Billy Bush, a hot mic, didn't know it, Hmm. right? You can do anything. What do you say when you're powerful or when you're rich or something? You can do anything you want with women. You do anything you want. And then that line, right? You can grab them by that line. You would think in any other universe that a comment like that would disqualify someone from reaching the highest elected office in the land. But what did Trump say? 
It was locker room talk. And everybody went, ah, yeah, locker room talk. Marie says, I believe every sport has had this issue. Maybe. Maybe. But we're talking about hockey today. And I think it's a national conversation. Whether we like it or not, this is something we have to stare down and deal with. Would love to hear where you're at on this. Talk at RyanJesperson.com. I understand it's a difficult conversation. It's difficult for me. It's obviously going to be difficult for the guests that we're bringing on the show. As mentioned, we expect it's going to be Wednesday. We're waiting on confirmation. The, the office, the Minister of Sport, Federal Minister, has confirmed that she will be available to us this week. We think it'll probably be Wednesday morning. And you can keep it locked on our social media for confirmation of that. If you have a question you want to hear a guest ask, if you have subject matter, something, a specific angle on this, if you have personal testimony, if you prefer not to use your real name, you can let us know what pseudonym you'd prefer. We get that from time to time in emails to talk at ryanjesperson.com. Charles Adler coming up in just a moment. And of course, you better believe we're going to ask him how he's feeling about this. Passionate Canadian for sure, Charles is, to say the least. How's he feeling about our national men's junior team? Athabasca University is Canada's online university. And though we're right in the middle of summer right now, you you may not be thinking of that as a traditional kickoff time for post-secondary studies, but it's a perfect time to get started at Athabasca U. Why? Well, because you can study anytime. You can study anywhere and take as little or as much time as you need to complete the course or program. They at AU are as flexible as as you need them to be. So you've got a vacation coming up in two weeks? No worries. You're in charge of your schedule, so you won't miss an exam. You're not going to be studying the whole time you're away. Plus, Athabasca University's age demographics, a little bit older, brings years of work experience to the schooling, so it's never too late. I mean, you'll see evidence all around you. It's never too late to go to school or head back to school and finish that degree program. You can get started today at AthabascaU.ca. Our friends at Eden Landscaping want to remind you they are a full service custom landscape builder more than 20 years of on the ground experience in the greater Edmonton area we call it the metro Edmonton region so whether you need a drainage solution whether you need that retaining wall repaired or maybe you're looking for something a little more cosmetic like a a rock garden a water feature or maybe you want to treat yourself to an outdoor kitchen They've got experience doing it all. You can get a free quote or make contact with them today. Eden Landscaping at landscapeedmonton.ca. And John, do you happen to have that video that I shot yesterday from the comfort of our own home? Are you okay teeing this up? For those that are watching on YouTube, my friends, this here is convection bake. We're sitting at uh, about 290 degrees right now for about 22 minutes. That's the convection bake of the Banjas Smokehouse hardwood smoked thick cut bacon from Friesen Brothers. Who cuts the bacon? They're real butchers in-house. I know they can cut anything to order. Just ask them. You'll find those butchers at 16 different Friesen Brothers locations across the province of Alberta. Friesen Brothers is Alberta grown and Alberta owned. There you go. How many people do you think every time we say that they Alberta grown, Alberta owned? I heard you in Peace River this weekend. I was up in Peace River for a wedding, and I went to Freezing Bros. And a boy. Yeah, here I'll throw it. I went to the uh, the good old salad bar there. Oh, I you brought photos? Up. Of course. And John, I, I love it. I had to hit up the yellow watermelon. They even had oh, it out there man, in Peace River. Oh, man, that looks River. amazing. But I jumped back in the car, and uh, I turned on the radio. 
there's you. Alberta owned, Alberta grown. I'm like, I know that guy. Yeah, you heard me on Peace River Radio. Even out there on hey, the there River 94.9. Nice shout, shout out. out. Nice shout out to the River 94.9. Everybody tuning into Real Talk from beautiful Peace River, Alberta. Guaranteed our next guest has been there at some point in his travels. This guy loves his country. He called Winnipeg home for many years. Oh, there he is on camera. There he is. Now he can quit bitching about his. West. He doesn't have a Real Talk ball cap. Now he's got it. <laughs> Real Talk. So the first microphone I spoke into was an Alberta microphone. And I had no idea what the impact would be. And I had been uh, given all this crap about how, you know, Albertans are rednecks and I'm an Eastern bastard. and They'll never accept me. It was a, a, a like an instant love affair, but both uh, on the professional microphone I was on and the University of Calgary on the University microphone. And it didn't matter what we, we did shows with, with people in Edmonton. Everywhere I went in Alberta was anything but redneck redneck in, in the sense of, you know, negative reaction to this guy from Montreal. Mm. Uh, so I fell in love with radio in, in Alberta. And so it's it's a, you know, and I went back to Alberta. A couple, I've had three different lives in Alberta. So it's been wonderful. But here's here's the thing that I want to say about the, 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 the piece that you just ran about, the piece and the party and the piece. Did I see pineapple? It was is it just my are my eyes just John, not... what's he seeing there? This that's, is that's yellow watermelon, Charles. Oh, yellow watermelon. Okay. My apologies. I thought I, I thought I saw pineapple, and I just thought in the interest of accuracy, because I am part, you know, journalist, uh, that in the interest of accuracy, if there was pineapple there, we shouldn't snow the folks and, and suggest that the pineapples are, you know, grown in Alberta. Yes. No, no. They're as local as they can be. Uh, as local as they can be. Yeah. Hey, Chuck, uh, you know, this is uh, the, the, this is like a gut wrenching, really brutal story. And there had been rumblings. People were saying that they had heard rumors that there was, quote, something really bad about the 2003 World Junior Hockey Team. And allegations have now since surfaced with some really horrific details of a sexual assault that allegedly took place. This just short after allegations came down the 2018 team more recent four years ago in london ontario allegations about a, a group sexual assault as well uh, talk to ken campbell just a few moments ago hockey writer how are you wrapping your mind around this the world junior is set to drop the puck right here in our home city in about two weeks from now and and obviously people are kind of wondering how the hell that's going to go ahead you know, folks in twelve-step uh, groups uh, over the years, uh, whether it's about uh, drugs, about uh, booze, overweight, you know, you name it. Uh, in twelve-step groups, they like to say that you've got to name it to tame it. And uh, what we're talking about here specifically, I know that you've, you've tried to avoid, uh, you know, offering a you know a specific accounting of what went on. But there are two words, uh, Ryan, if you don't mind, I've got to use them because they do tell us what this is about. And th those two words are gang rape. Gang rape is criminal. Uh, yeah, you can you can try to make the plaintiff go away and uh, and have some sort of uh, civil agreement and, and pay millions of dollars and all the rest of it. But I just think we owe it to the country uh, to call it what it is. Get, I'll, I'll say alleged gang rape. Okay, just to be absolutely legal about sure. this, alleged alleged. You know, uh, gang rape. If it is gang rape, that that's a criminal affair, and I think the cops need to investigate. And I don't care whether it's 2003 or 2013 or 2018 or whatever, whatever it is. I don't care if it's I don't care if it's 1918. I don't think there should be a statute of limitations on that kind of behavior. But I also think 
that w- it would be unfair for us to talk about hockey outside of male culture. Now, some people don't like uh, the term uh, toxic masculinity, and then they got bogged down in semantics. I don't want to bog down in semantics here. I think most men understand that in many areas of masculine life that involves groups of men, this has nothing to do with hockey. It's beyond hockey. It's beyond sport. It goes to those of us who have XY chromosomes, okay? Let's just speak plainly here on the plains of Canada. Many men have either witnessed or participated in initiation exercises when they were very young men, and it involved, have to call it what it is, assaulting women. And many women that we could talk to right now, anywhere in this country, many, not some, many will tell us that their very first exposure to sex was an assault. So this isn't, you know, Chuck the the, the feminist, uh, Chuck the feminist activist. No, this is just Chuck, you're, you're, you're the guy next door who happens to be the luckiest guy in Canada because for whatever reason I've established this wonderful connection with people in Western Canada and other parts of Canada and other parts of the States. I've just been very, very fortunate to have people tell me the truth, very often the uncomfortable, shameful truth. So I'm not trying to let hockey off the hook here. That's not the point at all. I just don't think that I want to let my fellow guys with XY chromosomes off the hook. Yeah, audience member watching now live EF says what's missing is respect. You know, it, it it's taught, but it can't be pushed enough into the minds of our children and our adults. And, and, and I think that there's this, I guess, in my observations around this and how it's impacting people, what I'm really doing is just kind of providing personal testimony. I'm talking about how I'm feeling about it. And there, there's you're appalled and you're disgusted and you're angry. Uh, I, I think back to the, the, those World Junior moments, Charles. I was teeing it up earlier in the show, like Boxing Day morning. It's what families do. Uh, there's there's bacon on and they're making pancakes and the Christmas tree is still up in a lot of houses. And, and, and on goes the World Juniors game. And then into January, if you get lucky enough and the team plays for the gold medal and they win it. And then all the players are there and their buckets are off and they're standing on the blue line and their hands are on their hearts. And, and you know, they've, they've got those hilarious like like late teen, early young adulthood singing voices, but they don't care. And they're belting out O Canada and everybody's happy. And then now we're finding out that like six or eight of them or more or less and at least in 03 and 18 allegedly and and maybe or even probably in other years that these guys are also to say it raping people like I don't know how to reconcile that. And I I posted about it over the weekend and a lot of the responses to that were were people saying, what can we do? What should we do? And there was notable pushback from other people saying, listen, I've been a hockey fan. I've played hockey for years, and I'm just as appalled as this, and this is not all hockey players. And that's also started its own spinoff conversation. I think you've addressed that already. But what do you say to the people like me? I mean, I've got a six-year-old that plays hockey and loves it. It's got to start in the room. It's got to start in the home. It's got to start young with all of us. Look, uh, I sometimes uh, call you my... uh you know, my radio prodigy, progeny, and I'll call you my my podcasting progeny because I consider you an heir to so much of, of what I do and to so much of the audience that has been so kind to me over the years. So if you don't mind, I'm not trying to be patronizing, but, you know, I, I talk to you sometimes 
the way I would talk to my son and the way I think that you would talk to your son. And I think we owe our sons uh, the absolute truth here that, uh, uh, that, that, that many men, and obviously many women, but many, we're talking guys now to about our own gender. Uh, many men have, um, have trespassed and they've trespassed um, against women in the most horrible of ways. And uh, we've got to tell them that we're ashamed of that. And it doesn't matter whether we've done it personally. All of us who tell the truth know about initiation rights and these kinds of stories of what happens when groups of guys get together, even, dare I say it, at some bachelor parties where some people, yes, go overboard. And it's not fair to say, well, if, if a woman, you know, is paid to be there, then then people can do whatever they want. Do you mind if I get angry for a moment here? How does anyone, how does anyone really, I mean, like after the hangover, okay, when they're, when they're not just, you know, they're stone cold sober and they're no longer hung, hungover, how can anyone rationally, any guy look you in the eye and say, if we paid someone a thousand dollars to be at a party, darn right, we had a right to bleep, bleep, bleep her. I mean, come on, let's get, let's get serious here. So the thing is, there is, whether you would like the term toxic masculinity or not, you know, there is an aspect of manhood that many men have participated in. And if they haven't participated, they're certainly aware of it. And it's something that we have to talk to our sons and daughters about. And we've got to be honest. And if it makes us sometimes angry when we have the discussion, if it makes us sometimes feel ashamed, I think we have to show them that. Mm. I think we have to be transparent. We have to be honest. Look, let me, let me, let me tie a, a thread in here. Uh, you've got the Pope who's in Alberta right now, and it's part of, you know, the the business of, of apologizing for the, uh, the victims of residential schools. But let's face it. Um, I said earlier that I come from Montreal. It's not exaggeration to say that when you're from Montreal, where I'm from, hockey is much more than a sport. It's much more than a pastime. We talk about the hockey culture. It's much more. It's a religion. It's our church. Yeah. Okay. I attended the church of hockey. And of course, the Montreal Canadians are absolutely sacred. Now, look, uh, you've got a situation where you've got the, the, the Holy Father himself, okay, the head of the, the largest Christian faith in the world, the Roman Catholic faith. And we all know that for people who attended Roman Catholic churches, many of them are watching right now over the years, we know about the sick feeling that they have about the various scandals over the years involving the mother church, involving priests and altar boys. And I don't have to rehash it here. We've got an educated audience here. I don't know what it does to everyone's faith, but it certainly shakes them to the core. And I don't think it's a stretch. You talked earlier about, you know, you don't want to stretch too much here. I don't think it's a stretch to say that for a country who has a secular religion, we'll call our secular religion, our secular faith hockey, it shakes us to the core. And we can talk all day long and all night long about guys and, you know, this is what guys do when they're in groups and they're, and they're hammered and they're coked up possibly and then maybe there are other things going on. But there's no amount of justification that really works, especially when we're talking about the religion, the secular religion of hockey. We're going to be talking about this for a long time. I just hope, I just hope that we don't shrink from talking about it in, in, in graphic ways. And I hope we don't shrink from calling it what it is. Gang rape, it's criminal behavior, 
And I guarantee you it hasn't been prosecuted 99.99% of the time. Yep. Emma on our live chat speaks for a lot of us where she says statistically, uh, many of us women and men, uh, she says even here in the chat, have been sexually assaulted. And she says, I'm sending love to those that are feeling triggered by this difficult conversation. And Emma, I'm a plus one on that. And I appreciate you saying that. Uh, Charles, as mentioned, I mean, I I, I, uh, recognize and really appreciate your comment last week. If you're just tuning in, you may not know. It's a relatively recent development that Charles Adler joins us uh, every single Monday or at least the first show of the week here on uh, Real Talk. And and, uh, Chuck, last week when I asked you about the Pope's uh, pending visit, the impending visit, he was on his way, his pilgrimage of penance, you said... It would be your preference. You said it's important to leave space for the survivors' voices. You said it's not my perspective. It's not my role to chime in and have a hot take on the Pope's visit. I appreciate that. I acknowledge that. Uh, We heard from uh, uh, an incredible chorus of indigenous voices on the show last week. Uh, leading up to this visit, and, and and a couple of them, including Brandy Moore and the journalist, are covering the, the Pope's pilgrimage today, literally as we're recording this, as we speak. He's on his way uh, down freshly paved roads, by the way, uh, to visit uh, the communities in Masquachis uh, to deliver that papal apology. The significance of this uh, for some is enormous. Uh, for others, this is a very difficult visit. They would rather the Pope stay at Vatican City. They, 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 they would rather they never see probably another crucifix. They'd probably rather they never see another uh, religious leader anywhere near them uh, based on their experiences and the experiences of more than 150,000 other young indigenous kids. But what are you noting as most significant here? I mean, you, you talk about Canadian common sense all the time for the average Canadian uh, maybe in particular, non-Indigenous people in Canada. What are you thinking about during this visit? I think it's incredibly important uh, for Indigenous people, and by the way, for anyone who thinks that uh, intergenerational trauma is crap, you don't know what trauma is if you if you believe that. And I don't want to I don't want to play the, the the victim here. That's not my point at all. I see myself as a survivor. I'm the child of survivors. And yes, the PTSD uh, that my parents and other members of my extended family suffered, uh, it has been passed on to generations. We all try to deal with it in in different ways. It's possible that one of the ways I deal with it is to be a a talk show host, a a writer, a commentator, and someone who tends to focus on the more serious side of life. I don't know that for a fact. I'm just saying it's entirely possible uh, that that's one of the ways that I deal with this in in discussing these subjects and hoping, hoping, hoping that we can make some progress. But I think it's really, really important in Alberta for the, 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 the sons and daughters, grandsons and granddaughters of those people who were involved in the residential school life. And these children, these adult children are suffering intergenerational trauma there's zero doubt about that it's important for them to speak truth their truth to power it is very important to speak their truth to the pope and i do appreciate the pope francis i really appreciate and realize that a lot of this is tied up in in legal business and diplomatic business and the vatican's a country i I get all of that i get it but it's really important uh, that that he be here in canada and i welcome him to canada and I'm just very, very glad that this moment is happening. But I, I just don't think we, we, we should ever avoid the most important aspect of this moment. And the most important aspect is for the children, the adult children suffering intergenerational trauma to have their moment with the mother church. Mm. 
before I let you go, uh, Chuck, obviously pay attention to your commentary on social media. You know, more than 60,000 people follow you on Twitter at Charles Adler. And, and I couldn't help but notice you, you've really honed in on the leadership race uh, for the individual that will become Alberta's next premier. Um, and, and uh, you know, statistically, some of the polling shows, some of the anecdotal evidence points to the, the theory uh, that that may be our former radio colleague, Danielle Smith. And uh, you really dug into, uh, a, 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 not televised, but a broadcast, a streamed conversation that she had, that she hosted. She's a former radio host herself, former newspaper columnist herself, uh, talking to a naturopath. Now, we had Danielle on the show <clears throat> coming up on two weeks ago, and she spoke about this health allowance, this personal health allowance that she's proposing that would give every Albertan, uh, young and old, $300 a year to spend on whatever health treatment they like. And I've actually had some interesting conversations with public health care advocates, uh, a couple high-profile ones in particular. I'm working on getting them on the show, so I'm not going to spoil it. But they've said they actually don't hate the idea. They don't hate the idea. A lot of people don't have health spending accounts with their work, but they don't think it's going to help the system. They don't think it's going to ease pressure on the system. And shortly after announcing this idea, this platform, if you will, about this health spending allowance, Danielle Smith interviews a naturopath. And it's being called quackery by some pretty prominent voices, including Dr. Timothy Caulfield, uh, University of Alberta law and health law professor, the author of Is Is Gwyneth Paltrow Wrong About Everything? Um, And I noticed you dug into it as well. I want to get your thoughts. But first, here's a here's a portion. Here's just a little snippet. It's only about 20 seconds of Danielle Smith talking to this naturopath specifically about cancer. Have a listen. Absolutely. Once you've arrived and got stage four cancer and there's radiation and surgery and chemotherapy, that's an incredibly expensive intervention, not just for the system, but also expensive in the toll it takes on the body. But when you think about everything that built up before you got Mm -hmm. to stage four and that diagnosis, that's completely within your control. And there's something that you can do about that that is different. All right, that clip, courtesy of The Breakdown, Alberta Pod. Your thoughts on that? You dug into that one in particular. Yeah, I, 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 I clearly I wasn't crazy about Danielle Smith's quackery on the Constitution, Sovereignty Act, etc. And clearly I wasn't crazy about uh, Danielle Smith's quackery on, on the Theo Fleury business, Theo Fleury saying that COVID's a hoax. Okay, fine. Uh, this one, maybe it's because I've got people in my life, like my own mother, who's a cancer survivor, and so many listeners, I'm talking about hundreds of thousands over the years who have contacted me. I don't know of anybody alive who doesn't have cancer somewhere in them or inside their family. And for someone who wants to be the CEO of the government of Alberta, where the number one task, as far as I'm concerned, for any provincial leader is healthcare. Healthcare is a provincial responsibility. People can argue with me about, well, you know, finance is more important or public safety is more important. I get all of that. Health is important and cancer is important. And showing empathy for people with cancer is important. Can you please tell me, Ryan, how much empathy is being shown here by someone who's very likely to be the next CEO of the government of Alberta? How much empathy is shown here when she says, and you can run the clip again, because I don't want people to say I've taken something out of context. When she says that the, the first three stages of cancer are totally under our control. How, I mean, it's not a leap to say you're, you're, blaming, you're blaming cancer patients for having cancer or, or you're denying that genetics is an incredibly 
important um, area of, of, of what drives the bus on cancer. That's that the first three on And the only people I know in my life who've ever said anything as quacky, I got to call it that, it's quackery, are, are, are people who do believe that you can take all sorts of lotions and potions uh, to prevent yourself from ever having cancer. All the people who have told me that are nuts. And I don't want to say that Danielle Smith is nuts. I'm just simply saying that she's got this, this fetish, this proclivity, this habit of constantly having nuts on the stage or people who say nutty things and then her excuse is always the same. Well, Ryan, I just listen to everybody. I'm sorry. This is about judgment. This is about ethics. And you cannot tell people with cancer or people have people with cancer in their families that it's somehow their fault that they have cancer. No. Sorry, I, I don't, I, once again, I'm not comfortable saying this because I know Danielle Smith and we've had a tremendous healthy relationship with her over the years, but I don't know what she's smoking. No, Chuck, I know it's difficult. It's tough to like tee up someone that's been a friend for a long time and say, what the fuck are you doing? What are you yeah, talking well, about? Yeah, thank you. But, thank you, you know, for saying I, that. That's, you know, that's like, exactly how I felt when I saw the clip. What the fuck are you doing? Well, Lynn's watching right now, and Lynn says, I would love for her to explain to me what my husband could have done to prevent stage four glioblastoma. Right? Yeah. That's personal for Lynn. Right? Emma says right now, I bet every single Albertan loved somebody who died of cancer by finding out you about bet. it too late. The audacity and the insensitivity is mind-blowing. Uh, Dwayne, I have relatives who passed away from cancer. This is far from a joke. Dr. Bradley Martin's watching us live this morning. We appreciate that. A, a GP out of beautiful Hinton, Alberta, says patients and the fine oncologists in our province do absolutely everything to fight cancer. And sometimes it progresses to stage four anyway. It occurs in extremely healthy people. Says Danielle's off base on this. Kathy, my husband's aunt, had stage four surgical cancer. The earlier stages were not detected during pap smears. She did everything she could to prevent it, and she still got it, right? I mean, these are, I'm just picking and choosing. I, I, we could sit here and read comments. If we opened it up and said to me, and this is the tragic part of it. I mean, how many times, I think, John, we talked about, you know, my work as in-game host for the Edmonton Oilers, and we do the Hockey Fights Cancer Nights, and I would, yeah. you, know, you hold up the sign, and you say, I'm fighting for, and then fill in the blank. And I always, it was never lost on me, Charles, that I would, and I'm not, there's nothing special about me. Every single person listening to this could do the exact same thing. I would sit there and go, well, whose name should I write this time? Mm -hmm. Right? You don't lose one person to cancer. Or what about children? Like, you know, who get it when they're a year or two old? Like, how are they supposed to, according to Danielle, prevent it? It just it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. So John, Chuck, my, my, my name, my name isn't on the show, even though the, the hosts of the show name is on my cap. Would you, Ryan? Would you mind if I asked John to run the clip again? Because there's sure. this one, there's one thing about that clip that maybe bothers some people even more than what she actually says. So I want folks to focus on her facial expression because because body language sometimes reveals much more than you know language language than than talk. Okay. Okay. Um, it, it talks. It speaks to someone's attitude. And, and if I'm overreaching here, please forgive me, folks. I watched this clip a, a couple of times because some followers of mine asked me to please, please watch it. And I'm asking you to do what my followers asked me to do. The expression on Danielle Smith's face when she talks about how expensive it is to treat cancer. The reason I mention this is because she's very likely to be the premier. And I don't want the premier of any province to somehow feel that cancer patients are taking too much of our money. So please watch it and make, make your own judgment. Here it is. Absolutely. Once you've arrived and got stage four cancer and there's 
radiation and surgery and chemotherapy, that's an incredibly expensive intervention, really? not just for the system, but also expensive in the toll it takes on the body. But when you think about everything that built up before you got mm -hmm. to stage four in that diagnosis, that's completely within your control. And there's something that you can do about that that is different. Am I overreaching? Why did she have this painful expression about the fact that it's it's expensive to treat cancer. Well, duh, it's expensive to treat cancer. This is a country. This is Canada. I'm, I'm you know, yes, I, I admit I'm, I'm, I'm guilty. I love our country. I think our country is the best in the world. And one of the reasons I think our country is the best in the world is we don't shrink from laying out public funds to help members of the public with cancer. What's wrong with that? Yeah. I think of, and I just, I, I know that I'm, I'm, I'm probably picking a fight here and uh, whatever. It's not the first time, but you know, I, I think, you know, do I even want to get into this with naturopaths? I don't know if I want to get into this. I mean, people, people can do whatever they want. Um, you know, I, I, I have a personal friend who put her, I mean, I don't know if I want to get into I it. Chuck, actually, now that I teed this up, who are we all have friends who are, line of work. you know, and, 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 uh, yeah, and and it I guess it works for some people and whether that's a placebo effect or not. And really, quite frankly, it's none of my business uh, what somebody chooses so to do for their own approach. And, and, and again, like I'm not trying to insult people. No. And maybe people go to their naturopath as part of a sort of a, a holistic approach to their health care. And that's fine. But I really, really, really have a problem with the suggestion. I mean, I think of little Ezekiel Stefan, this little kid. Charles, you know the story. His parents, yeah, uh, David and, and sorry, Colette, and 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 I they do. basically they're 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 little guys suffering from meningitis. It, it's they're, they're listening to people that have no business making a diagnosis. They're keeping him out of the hands of medical professionals. They're treating him with like mustard and hot sauce, and the kid dies at 18 months old under horrific circumstances, under horrific pain. And uh, you know, if if somebody wants to treat their own issue uh i mean it's it's the right in a free country for people to refuse medical treatment and people do it on religious grounds and other grounds all the time mm -hmm. but for me it's the suggestion that cancer can somehow and you know i mean that that that, that radiation or and I'm, I'm not saying that danielle smith is saying this on the record but people will say that traditional cancer treatments have no value or that people should investigate things like hot mustard and 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 certain approaches to their health to treat leukemia uh that really drives me nuts and i think that it's the responsibility of shows like this and, and i'm sure that some people will come at me based on experience people will come at me for saying this but it's the responsibility of shows like this and people that have a platform to hit this stuff head on and call it for what it is. And I'm I just, sorry, I, it makes I, I, me nervous. I've got to get in, but Ryan, I've got to get into this with you because, because we're talking about somebody who for, for the longest time promoted the idea of, of basically using horse paste, you know, the, the dewormer for horses, using that as treatment for COVID. I'm sorry, that, that's as nutty as, as, as doing what th those, those parents did to their child using, using mustard to treat cancer. And if somebody's doing a, a wacky talk show and, and they're doing that or a blog, I don't care. The only reason I'm this emotional about this, and part, forgive me for being emotional about, about cancer, I mean, I'm thinking about Terry Fox and I'm thinking about a lot of things right now. People have met, uh, people we've all met. Look, it's, it's, it's one thing to be hosting a wacky talk show, putting on people who've got alternative ideas about everything. Fine, whatever, there's a place for that. Sure. Get, get your two share, get your three share, fill your boots. 
but we're talking about someone who's a premier. And I don't want a premier to be putting out the message that whether you want to use mustard or chemotherapy, whatever, you know, it's a free country and I'm a libertarian and I respect your views and I respect freedom and stuff like that. When you're a premier, you just have to be a lot sharper than that. And most important, I don't want anyone in Alberta who's got cancer or, or, or a member of the family with cancer to think for a moment that Albertans will get you know, will, will turn into tightwads because the government will, will turn into a tightwad and, and not give you the treatment that you, yes, you deserve. It's not about, you know, you've just, you've earned it. No, you deserve it. Mm. You're a Canadian, you're living in Alberta. We provide the best health care that we possibly can. And we don't turn it into a, a, a political piece of crap. Mm. I, I, there, are, there are nicer words I can use, but this is a piece of, I, when, when I hear someone talk this way, I assume if I didn't know who the person was, and if I didn't know what the party was, and if I didn't know what the situation, I would assume this is a person who's got like, like the, I talk about the Radio 2 share, someone who's got two or 3% of the public for them, who cares, that person will never have any power, whatever, go once again, fill your boots. But we're talking about someone who's, a, who's on the porch of being a very, very powerful person, especially in that area. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping that maybe she elaborates on this. I'm hoping she clarifies the position. I would love to be in a position where I say, you know what, I completely misread this and I apologize uh, to Danielle Smith. I would love to be in that position. But at the moment, at the moment, it's very painful to look at this. Charles Adler is an Emmy Award winning talk host, a recipient of the RTDNA Lifetime Achievement Award. He joins us here live on the show every Monday. We'll talk to you in a week. Thanks a lot. I appreciate this comment from Luke on our live chat. He says, it's one thing to advocate for more preventative health measures. Mm hmm. But what she's saying is asinine. Yeah. And that's where I'm getting kind of caught up in this, right? That's what I wanted to reiterate because I do have a lot of people, you know, in the vegan lifestyle. We both I do. meet a lot of these people, you know, holistic healers, people who, and a lot of that stuff is great for preventative, right? A lot of that stuff like eating well. Of course. Exercising, doing yoga, meditating, uh, connecting with your spouse all and your positive, family to all increase your happiness and your well-being. Uh, but at some point, you know, medical professionals have got to get involved when you're talking about dire situations like this. I think about Steve McQueen, the actor in 1980 uh, from The Great Escape. Yeah. Who, who, the same thing. All the money in the world was told these things by, you know, kind of these holistic healers went down to Mexico, spent millions of dollars on this, you know, new wave therapy and, and died yeah. away from his family down in another country, you know, because people follow these things and, you know, I would rather follow follow a doctor at that point. Me and my wife went through the same thing. Her her mother passed away from cancer, and it was her second time getting it. So these things can go away. They can come back. Like it's just there's so many variables, and they're not like eating green stuff and <laughs> and meditating. Right? That's not going to save you. Yet. I never want to take for granted that you're willing to have these conversations. In a you you weren't necessarily hired to like go on the record and have takes on some of the most controversial or combustible subject matter i just want to take this moment it's just a it's just a john hicks appreciation moment i'm serious man but no we had that moment too when my wife's mom was going through cancer where we would have, we would have done anything we would have taken any of route. course we would have paid any price we would have listened to anyone if they could have just said we can save it we can help it we can make it go away, i lost right? one of my best friends from high school just a couple of years ago to an aggressive brain tumor that just wouldn't go away 
and it was over a series of about 10 years, and they tried everything. And when it got to the point, he had, I mean, I'll never forget the last time I had beers with him, and he just had the scars all over the side of his head, the mm. back of his head, and he was trying everything. Two little boys, a loving wife. Like, his little boy, when he passed, his little boy's like, six months old not mm-hmm. even six months old he tried everything and when he was told that the that the so-called western medicine couldn't work for him when his oncologist his neurosurgeon when everybody told him that they had done everything they could his family went down south to pursue alternative treatments because you would do anything literally of course you would do anything nobody would blame you for that mm-hmm. my concern is that somebody gets bad advice that you can also treat your cancer with this mix of lotions and potions and they ignore the advice of their gp and their oncologist or they don't get checked or they ignore the and and that's where i dig in mm-hmm. i do see some value in in, in holistic 100%. health like when you talk about it yoga meditation uh, like you know you know and some stuff like of that course. and i'm saying these these instances you're talking about where people recommend mustard seed and stuff like that to treat cancer. The majority of people I know would never do that who are involved in this this industry, right? So I just want to say that as well. Like, they- hey, we, well, listen, we promise to keep it real. Uh, it's why we call the show Real Talk and uh, we appreciate in advance your feedback here. Sharon Moore is such a good friend of the show and she's joining us uh, on the live chat as she does every morning. She says this has been a real tough week for her. She says a lot of triggering conversations and we recognize this. We know, I mean, geez, back to back to back today. We're talking about about sexual assault and residential schools and losing people to cancer. Like it's a bit of a heavy lifting kind of a Monday. Um, I'm going to brighten your spirits and make you laugh. I promise in just a second. (laughs) I mean, unless you're a Freedom Convoy participant, you're not going to probably think this is very funny. Uh, But other I think that the 95 percent of the people that hear positive reflections say are going to be laughing so hard you're crying. That was my experience when I saw these tweets. Uh, But before we get. Oh, and by the way, uh, I I would imagine that Rachel Notley will have something to say about the assertion that Daniel Smith is going to be the next premier. Um, I would imagine that some other people would as well. And that would include Rajin Sani and Rebecca Schultz. Mm -hmm. It would include Brian Jean and uh, everybody else that's seeking the leadership of Alberta's United Conservative Party wanted to mention we're lucky we had him on Friday. It was Friday we talked to Raj Sherman. Wasn't it Thursday Mm -hmm. or Friday of last week? Uh, Friday, Raj joined us, Dr. Sherman, an ER doc in Edmonton, former progressive conservative MLA, former Alberta liberal leader, talking about how he came up with 150 grand. He was getting his signatures and uh, wanted to seek the leadership of the party. Uh, The party announcing over the weekend, Dr. Raj will not be permitted to seek the leadership of the party. Uh, I asked around for some opinions. Uh, I don't think it necessarily justified a full segment this morning, but I appreciate Dr. Dwayne Bratt getting back to me, political scientist out of Calgary. You've heard him on the show before. I said, what would be the source of your great surprise? He called it. He said, they're not going to let him run. He says, I'd be gobsmacked, I think was his word. He said, I'd be gobsmacked. I said, what would be the source of your biggest surprise? He says, I don't know. Like He, he left one of the legacy parties in shambles. I don't know if you put that square on Raj's shoulders. I wouldn't say. <laughs> he said he led a competing party, the Alberta Liberals. He says he donated four grand to the Alberta party last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I did see a couple of people fire back and say, yeah, but a lot of people took their money away from the United Conservatives over the past year. Do you really want to hold that against them? I think the Alberta party would qualify as a small C conservative party, I think. Um, and so anyway, it's all said and done. Raj Sherman, not permitted to seek the leadership of the UCP. If you want to hear that interview, uh, he was Raj being Raj. And you can find it anywhere you download your podcast. Or, of course, you can find it on YouTube. Positive reflections in just a second. But first, 
Let me tell you about what our friends at Local Environmental are up to. You know, if you're listening from anywhere in the prairies, chances are they can offer service in your neck of the woods. Alberta, Saskatchewan, for more than a quarter century, they've been keeping it local, giving communities better service, better prices, and more support for local causes. It was so awesome to see them supporting our Real Talk Pond Hockey Classic. That's just one of the things. Ran into them out at the Sturgeon County Mayor's Tournament, the golf tournament I was hosting. They're out there as well, uh, taking over Callahoo Waste, uh, if that's your neck of the woods, by the way. Another big acquisition for Local Environmental. You can find them in Saskatchewan, too. You can check out localenvironmental.ca to find out what they could do for your business, keeping it local in water hauling, fencing, vacuum trucks, garbage and recycling collection, and more. Our friends at Kubi Energy want to remind you about this huge opportunity right now. If you've been thinking about getting solar panels up on your roof, the feds, Ottawa, just announced a $40,000 interest-free loan for homeowners to install solar and other energy efficiency measures. They can give you all the details if you visit them today. A free quote online by kubienergy.ca. And last night, I got to tell you, I came home late, a 4.30 tee time at the Ranch Golf and Country Club. John, I took a seven on the first hole. I thought it was going to be a total disaster, but a string of pars <laughs> allowed me to reach my personal best score of 87 wow, yesterday. Redemption 80, at 87. Last. Redemption at last. 87 on the course. Some of you are going to hear this and say 87 is like me on a terrible. That's the worst score I put out. Yeah, hey, hey, for me, it's all right. And so what did I do to celebrate when I got home? I went straight to the freezer and grabbed a Buster Bar. That's right. I picked it up at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park, Westmount in particular. <laughs> layer after layer of chocolatey fudge, peanuts, and that world-class DQ soft serve dipped in luscious chocolatey coating. The Buster Bar treats are available in white paper bags. You can review that packaging for nutrition information. Put a box in your freezer today from the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. All right, every Monday or the first show of the week. By the way, we'll be off for the August long weekend on that Monday. So, hey, getting the day off, big guy. After all that hard work launching <laughs> Seriously last Wednesday, we sure appreciated another episode of Seriously coming up with Sapria and myself this Wednesday. You can subscribe anywhere you get your podcast. We're also on YouTube. You can check us out there. A new episode coming out Wednesday morning. But this Monday, here we are at it live. Our friends at Kubi Energy give us a chance to focus on the positive, sometimes the hilarious, something to take our mind off all the heavy stuff, even for just a moment. We call it positive reflections. And today, I want to recognize this Twitter thread from Eric Tully. It's taking off. It's absolutely exploding with 10,000 retweets and 53,000 likes already. Eric tweets, I witnessed a beautiful interaction. He tweeted this yesterday, a beautiful interaction. He says, let me share it with you. My city, which is his home city of Edmonton, had a naked bike ride today <laughs> to bring awareness to more sustainable environmental practices. But along their naked ride, they ran into a freedom convoy protest, which is Canada's equivalent to make America great again. He says, to my good fortune, I happened to witness what unfolded. Our brave naked cyclists with wangs and breasts waving in the summer air rode confidently into the thick of it. Well, reader, the scene that unfolded before my eyes was glorious. Pearls were clutched. Horrified gasps were uttered. People turned purple in apocalyptic prudishness. Our bare-assed bicyclists rode into the crowd, dismounted, took a group photo, and then, in a truly inspiring display of 
body positivity and peaceful political activism, they rode away, leaving a wake of horrified and exasperated faces behind them. I tell you, reader, those people were shook to their cores today by what they saw. These people thought they could come and spread their hate and not be challenged, only to be met with a magnificent procession of unbridled nudity and positivity. This is one of the best fuck you moments I have ever witnessed in my life. So shout out to those riders in the buff for keeping hope for humanity alive. You can share that tweet yourself by retweeting Eric underscore Tully, or you can share our positive reflection from YouTube or the podcast. Hey, if you're championing freedom, careful what you ask for. We're back at it tomorrow. We're going to check in with a journalist that's covering the papal visit today, and Max Fawcett is going to join us. Alberta's Premier Jason Kenney wants Ottawa to step in and stop price gouging at the gas pumps. Is it really Justin Trudeau's job, or is it Jason Kenney's? We'll find out. Thanks for joining us this Monday, and we'll talk to you soon. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson. Executive producer, Josh Dunford. Technical producer, John Hicks. General Manager, Katie Cook-Shivers. Account Coordinator, Lawrence Derlego. Human Resources, Lena Shepard. Website Design, Mike Johnston. VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandy Morin, Ann Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Salto, and Nakota Sioux, home to Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is the flagship property of Relay Communications Group Incorporated. All rights reserved. For more, check out ryanjesperson.com.